This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, I want to talk about Daniel chapter 6. I cannot think of uh, a better chapter to go over, and especially where we are as in this country at this time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us, help me to learn what you're trying to teach us through your word, through the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us never to fall into the trap of thinking, I wish somebody else was listening to this message. But Lord, help us to, to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. And Lord, I pray, God, and then also us corporately as a church. And for those who are at home, Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak to us truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, chapter 6, I got a, a PowerPoint there that says, these lines wear clothes. Not all lines are the ones that you've pictured. I think there's a, actually a, a little group of lines in the background of that. I don't know if you can actually see it on the PowerPoint. And Daniel chapter 6, verse 19, we're going to go straight, uh, straight to the end. So it says here, in 19, at the first light of dawn, this is a very famous chapter, it is Daniel in the lion's den. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came to the den, he called to Daniel in anguish, in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, whom you have served continually, been able to rescue you from the lions. I love that line. God, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you have served continually been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel's older at this time, much older. Daniel answered, may the king live forever, which is a very interesting response. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Talking about God. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Now, I want to tell you, I preached this sermon six years ago. So, and it's been edited and updated, but generally it's... Very similar. So when I'm going to share something, I'm not sharing it based on new information I've learned about you or us in the last few weeks, all right? So sometimes when I preach, people say, well, were you talking to me and were you mentioning this situation? No, I don't do that, all right? It just so happens that the situation you're in and the situation I'm talking about are very similar, but I am not picking on you. However, the Holy Spirit might be doing that, all right? So be open to the Holy Spirit picking on you. Now, I saw a movie years, decades ago now. It's a great movie called A Beautiful Mind. Raise your hand if you've seen the, A Beautiful Mind, yeah. Uh, very interesting uh, movie. It's about being paranoid, and not just paranoid, but schizophrenia paranoid. It's, it's, a, it's a subtype in which the patient 
has false beliefs that somebody or some people are plotting against them or members in their family. People specifically with paranoid schizophrenia, as, the, uh, as most subtypes may have auditory hallucinations and they hear things. They also have delusional of personal grandeur and thinking that they're more important than they are. And uh, an individual with paranoid schizophrenia may spend an extraordinary amount of time thinking about ways to protect themselves. Years and years and years ago, but we were here in this building, a, a, man, a young man walked in, and uh, I don't know if Tyler's here, but uh, he helped me out. A young man walked in early on, and uh, so somebody told me that there was a, someone new, so I went and talked to him, and immediately I knew that something wasn't right. So I asked him to, to go downstairs to talk with me. And when he did, uh, he unzipped his jacket and he had copper wire wrapped all around his body. It was very scary. Then he took his hat off and he had copper all over his head. My first impression was that he's wired for some sort of detonation. That's the first thing I thought. But the more I talked about him, I realized that he was spiritually uh, delusional and he was also uh, what the medical field would, would consider paranoid schizophrenia. And uh, uh, Tyler was so gracious and helpful. He helped me uh, and we called, uh, we prayed for him and then we called paramedics and they came. They, they grabbed him right outside this store. He thought that people were listening um, to his, his brain to his head with thoughts, and so the copper wire would help uh, deflect any transmission of that. It was, it was a very strange, sad uh, moment. I mean, he was wound up in copper wire. It broke my heart. The reason I mention that is that when we read in the book of Daniel, Daniel responds differently. And he is someone that I believe all of us could emulate and ask the Lord, help me through your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Yes, I want to be like Jesus, but Lord, give me a little bit of Daniel in the Bible. He, Daniel in the Bible, literally was in danger. Literally, people were trying to overhear his thoughts. But one of the things I noticed when we look at the, Daniel and through the book, but especially in chapter six, is his ability to be a person of peace in spite of his circumstances. Daniel was not delusional. He recognized the times that he was living in. They weren't made up in his head. There was real danger. And he knew that he was living among lions, not the ones that we see in the picture, not the ones that could be found in pits, but they were living around him in his workplace and, his, and in his neighborhood. I can imagine what it must be like to live in a, in a world where the gospel is, is outlawed, what it must feel like. You know, how do you trust someone, right? How do you know if you're going to have a little Bible study and you think the person you're talking to as a believer, and, and you're going to huddle in some little apartment, and uh, 
man, there's some real fears. You don't know who's listening. In certain parts of the world, they're encouraging people to rat each other out. There's an app. It's like a social app. And the more you tell on people, the more social points you get, and you get rewarded for social points. I think I saw three people I didn't recognize go into this apartment, and I hear, you know, lights singing. And they tell the authorities through their little app, they get points. They get little stars to, to tell on people. Daniel was living in a world very much like that. But he had a proper mindset. He understood that these things were happening. But he ultimately knew that who was in control. Now, I know my mom watches from time to time, and, and Jeremy Reminded me, like, hey, you pick on your mom a lot. It's like, well, because I'm not sure if she understands if I'm talking really fast. So I want to talk really fast. But I have to tell her to my mom, especially in this past years, uh, past weeks, past months, God is in control. It's okay, mom, relax. God is in control. And Daniel knew that. He knew that God was sovereign. He knew that that God was in control, and maybe he didn't, of course, he would not know this verse, but I believe he, he understood this verse. In Romans 8.28, we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. He kind of just know that verse in his heart. The number one thing I want to point out what Daniel lived, uh, understood, was is that Daniel... First things first, Daniel learned to live as a pilgrim. When I mean, when I mean, what I mean by that is that Daniel learned to live in a culture that he lived in. He did well in the culture that he lived in, but that culture did not live in him. He lived in the world, but the world did not live in him. Does that make sense? And Daniel understood that. He learned to live in a culture that he lived in, but that culture did not live in him. The culture of worry, the culture of fear, of culture of hate did not live in him. You know, I, I, you know, I, I am on social media and I just, boy, they're just really just bombarding us to hate one another, to hate people. Well, Daniel didn't play that game. And I'm asking the Lord to help me not to play that game. And I'm asking the Lord that you wouldn't play that game. He learned to excel, Daniel, to excel in that culture. He's around 70 years old when this is happening to his life, when he's being thrown into the fire, I mean, the, the lion's den. He succeeded already Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, and now he's on his, his, his third king, Darius. Now, Darius liked Daniel because already he was in charge of a third of Babylon. And then Daniel was impressive enough that Darius made him in charge of more places and more things. And one thing I love about Daniel is that, I'm because we could read into the story, and we're not going to read every verse because it's such a long chapter, that Daniel uh, just rose through the ranks in that culture. And... and Maybe you feel this, that maybe you're being raised through the ranks, but people don't appreciate that you've been raised through the ranks. You know, why'd, they, why'd he get it? What's he doing? You know, and then we have to pin, you know, some made-up story about that person 
advancing because uh, they're probably a brown nose or they're probably this. And it could be that he's just a hard worker and that he did his job well. And, and that's what Daniel looks like he did. It was just a very good worker. So I'm sure people were jealous. And especially if you do it the right way, right? If you advance in your workplace doing it the right way, people get upset about that. It's like, how, how, how come he's not taking, you know, cheating around and, and taking cheap shots or, or cutting corners? Second Timothy says this in verse, chapter 3, verse 12. Daniel is not surprised by this. And it says this, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Don't you just love that? It's not a great uh, American, Christian American message to say uh, that, uh, hey, listen, if you want to live for Jesus, just prepare that you're going to suffer persecution. We usually would just say, hey, raise your hand and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then somehow you're, all of a sudden you're, uh-huh, relationship. And then we fail to t- tell you, listen, when you're saying, uh-huh, you're taking on all of Jesus and living for Jesus. And part of saying, uh-huh, for Jesus is, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here at Mosaic Church, we want to teach the whole gospel, so that's what we're hearing. Typically, we just hear God has a wonderful plan for your life, and he wants, you to, he wants to keep you from experiencing bad things. So just raise your hand and go, uh-huh, and then you're in. That's not the gospel. Persecution towards believers should be expected. However, let me just encourage you, if we're being persecuted as believers, let's make sure we're being persecuted because we're believers, all right, not anything else. Who have you know? We don't want to be persecuted because we're we're being jerks, and we happen to be believers. Okay, don't let the jerk part be the reason you think you're being persecuted. Let's make sure we be, if we're being persecuted, we're doing it because we're living for Christ. There's a difference. There's a difference. Now, persecution in the West comes in all forms and shapes: mockery, isolation whether at work or at school, uh, conflict. Maybe you're being considered as weird. I get that a little bit from when I play the uh, old man soccer. Uh, I get a little like, oh, you believe that uh, God created this place? Like, yes. So you believe that God made a man and a woman? Yes. Uh, so you believe this man, Jesus, came to earth Born of a Virgin Mary? Yes. <laughs> I know what they're thinking. That's weird. And it gets even weirder if you're spirit-filled, right? Like, you believe in, like, Holy Spirit and, and spirit t- tongue-talking? Like, yes. Uh, Rio might remember I had a, 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 one of the Presbyterian pastors, like, are you one of those tongue-talkers? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, I'm one of those guys. Um, and so, so we get mockery and... Uh, Isolation, and we think that we're being weird from time to time. However, if you're a believer or a pilgrim, you recognize that that comes with the territory, right? So you know that is part of it. 
because we know this is not our final destination. And we know that we're not going to answer to them. We're going to ultimately answer to God. I, I used to like this. Uh, Daniel always kept a passport. It reminded, him, it reminded him who he was and where his citizenship was and is from. And so he would carry a reminder who he is. And let me encourage you to remind yourself who you are. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Now the second thing we can learn from Daniel is very, a, a big point. And I want you to really just, like really just pay attention to this point. The second thing we need to learn is that Daniel was, a, it was persistent in prayer. So much so that his co-workers created a scenario where the two kingdoms would clash. The kingdom of God and the law of the state. And they knew that Daniel would not struggle with this decision. Does he follow the law of King Darius or does he follow the law of God or the rule of God? And they knew that Daniel would always choose God. Lord, help me to be like that. Help me to always choose the ways of the Lord. It's easier said than done. Now, I'm not going to read Daniel chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, but you can see what happens. Daniel's enemies come up with this plan to issue a decree that if for 30 days, uh, you better pray just to the king. You can't pray to any other man or any other god. Now, one thing I love about that decree, a law came down. You cannot worship, pray to God, and you cannot pray to any man, but you can only pray to King Darius. And all of a sudden, that happened to us. I can imagine Daniel could have responded in a few different ways. He could have gone to the king and petitioned the king, like, please change your mind. But that probably was not going to happen because Darius would look foolish. A king changing his mind is not good for controlling the masses, or he would have gotten on Facebook and complained how hard his life is. And uh, sadly, that's what we see a lot on Facebook, of, of people just letting us know how difficult uh, life is. And, um, and I don't know, have you seen that? Have you seen that people? Yeah, so I don't know if, if, if Facebook was around for Daniel, if he would have done that, but he could have done that. But what does he actually do? Look what it says in verse 10 of chapter 6. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. He didn't need now, if you've ever been to a um, uh, Middle Eastern country, which I haven't, but I've seen videos of it, where they make these calls to prayer. And it's pretty cool to hear this call to prayer, and then people know what to do. They go and, and they pray. But Daniel didn't need someone to remind him to pray. He did not need a call to prayer. It was already part of his, of his life and his habit. This is the thing I want us to really just maybe grasp. 
We teach this in, um, you know, I've taught this in ministry and training. Uh, I'm doing it again with our, our campus pastors that you need to focus on what's important, not just what you need to focus, you know, the thing that's going to try to draw your attention. It's called the tyranny of the urgent. You know, there's so many things that will always crowd our lives, no matter what. All of us live incredibly busy lives, and we could fill our lives responding to those things. You know, a phone call that we didn't expect, this didn't happen. You know, so you're just like the tyranny of you just got to handle this urgent request and that urgent thing. And Daniel doesn't do that. Daniel, the crisis did not drive Daniel to his knees. It was just the opposite. Daniel would not let his crisis keep him from his regular routine of praying and getting on his knees. See the difference? It wasn't like the urgent caused him to pray. The urgent problem was not going to keep him from praying. And there's the difference. Lord, help me to be that person. Lord, I don't want to be the person that just comes to you fervently because something serious just happened. The thing that just seriously just happened would not keep me from my regular communion with God. Now, what did Daniel pray for? Did he pray for deliverance? If you look at the scripture carefully, what does he say he prayed for? It said that he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. What did he do? Giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God. So let me just encourage you, don't let, don't let the circumstances keep you from your regular routine of praying. Now, it's hard, isn't it, as young parents, like, you know, you want to wake up at 6, and all of a sudden the kids woke up before you, and they have these tremendous needs. But don't let anything rob you from your communion, and your commun- uh, communion with God and your prayer time with God. Make it part of your life. I'm going to skip through some things, and, um, but my next slide says, God's purpose was not to save Daniel from trials, but to save Daniel through trials. It's very interesting because God could have just, if, we, if God knowing all things, and if he knew that Daniel was going to be saved from the, the, the lion's pit, then why to go through the whole exercise? At the, if, if the goal was to just save him, why go through the whole thing? But it seems like maybe God has a bigger purpose and plan. And that's the thing that we have to begin to understand. I gave someone some advice that someone gave me. When life is throwing us a curveball, we don't say, why me? We say, Lord, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to respond to the situation? So God's purpose was not to save Daniel from trials, but to save Daniel through trials. My next slide is that God is more committed to our holiness than our comfort. Ooh. God is more committed to our holiness than our comfort. 
God is concerned more about your holiness than your comfort. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, and even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So what happens? Daniel gets thrown into the pit. And what has happened at the very end of the uh, story, it says that a stone was, was, um, was brought over the place over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own real se- uh, seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused to his usual entertainment, and could not sleep all night. So this king liked Daniel, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't sleep all night. So very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. May God My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, my majesty. And the king was overjoyed. I find it kind of ironic that Darius had a sleepless night. And he was rushed. And he cries out uh, out of concern for Daniel. And then Daniel explains why he was spared. He did not say the lions were confused, nor did he say I was able to outmaneuver the lions. Daniel was just living out the meaning of his name. And if you remember, which was, would have been back in October, God is my judge. God did answer his prayer, and he was judged, and he was spared. It sounds to me that Daniel kind of slept well that night in King Darius. It's just kind of ironic, Now, my next slide says, no one can really enforce devotion to God by a decree, no more than can someone crush it by decree. You can't force people to worship God by decree, nor can you crush people's devotion to God by a decree. And you have to remember that, people. Please remember that. Long, long time ago, I, I listened to the head of the Assemblies of God in Iraq, when, when um, it wasn't as a friendly place as it is today, and I'm not saying it is, but it was under Saddam Hussein. And he said up there in front of me, I was probably at this far to where Eric and Melissa are, and he says, you know, there's this misunderstanding about living a Christian life in, our, in Iraq. He says this, you can do anything you want, You can have a Bible study. You can have a public gathering. You can sing songs about Jesus. And you can use an amplifier. You can do those things, which was like, what? I thought you couldn't do those things. No, he says, yes, you can do those things. Now, you may pay the full price, but you can do it. And it was a testimony of God's work, his existence and his power. The Lord, again, brought the ruler of the mightiest of the empires to acknowledge his greatness and power that God's kingdom will truly last forever. Now, I want to just fast forward 
I want to talk to you about what can we learn. Number one, being in exile, and we just finished the whole Bible, uh, Wednesday night study about being in exile, is not easy. We recognize that. Hebrews chapter 13 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. The second thing is we need to learn People really can't hurt us. The world can't really hurt us beyond what God permits. That's hard to understand. And I think this is where a lot of people veer off in their journey with Jesus. They get off the path when tough things happen to us. Now, here's one problem, and I'll, I'm going to ask Bryce to come in. about few, Not yet, but in a few minutes. Not everyone gets delivered. You recognize that? It's true, right? You probably know people who have not been delivered. And I mean like from persecution. I get a magazine once a month, Voice of the Martyrs. I have their app. I get updates of people who have been persecuted and killed for their faith. I would recommend you get that because it really encourage you to pray for people across this globe. So we know that faithful people have suffered terribly throughout the centuries. Even right now, people are suffering around the world. And it's so easy to say, where is God? Is their faith less than what Daniel had? I think Daniel chapter 6 happened, but it's also a foreshadowing of the bigger picture. That's one thing that I, wanna, I want you to know for, here at Mosaic Church, that um, we have to be careful that we can't just grab a story, a truth story, and apply it to my life. You know, usually it was specific to a person and a time. As Americans and as Westerners, we like to, like, Take that and, and apply it to ourselves. And I would recommend that you don't do that. Because the promises were maybe to a specific person. The promises were to a specific time, a specific people. And it, it would be erroneous to just take all those promises and make them your own. You're going to find that uh, the math won't make sense if you do that. So we try not to do that here. Um, so just remember that, that God is in control. Now, I want to rush through this. I want to talk about Jesus. So chapter 6 of Daniel, I think, is kind of a backdrop, a bigger story in the backdrop of what God is going to do for us, his people. That one day we're going to be judged and one day, God is going to, that final judgment that we talked about, is going to find us not guilty because of the blood of Christ, and we will be delivered. That's what I love about chapter 6. It does not say that every trial that you're going to go through, you're going to survive. It does not say that. Some of us will, and some of us won't, as we can see what's happening around the globe. But it is always true the backdrop for us as believers. 
the final judgment, we will be weighed and we will be found in good standing because of Jesus Christ. So please, let's, here at Mosaic Church, we don't like the, uh, I don't want to give you promises that are not true. And I don't want to overpromise the things that the Bible does not promise us. There will be persecution. And some people won't be delivered like we see in chapter 6. Okay, Jesus. One thing I love about Jesus, that Jesus kind of went through the same thing, except he wasn't just threatened with death. Because we know the story that he actually went into death. He, he went into a deeper uh, trial than Daniel. And even though Jesus was innocent, he suffered as though he was guilty. So he was not delivered. There were no angels to comfort him. He was left in the darkness of being alone. And, and we know that, that scene where when, when God turned, feeling abandoned by God, he was left alone in the lion pit, if you will, the grave for three days. And it wasn't until the angel came to roll that stone away. I believe Jesus' experience is also a foreshadowing. Jesus did not stay in the grips of death, but he rose from the dead, amen? I just talked to someone recently about a, a certain situation where it was like a death. He, he went through like an, uh, this terrible thing that was, he just felt like, said, but it is true what you went through. But God is in the raising of the dead business. And so I just wanted to encourage him. God raised him from the dead. When Daniel emerged from the tomb, he came out alone. But when Jesus emerges from the tomb, he didn't what? He didn't come out by himself. He came out with those who believed in him then and, and us and th throughout the centuries. So Jesus doesn't emerge from the tomb alone. Whoever puts their life in Christ, God will find us righteous, not guilty. And for that, I want to say thank you. I'm going to ask uh, Bryce to come up with the team if they'd like, or if he likes. One of the things I loved about the second song, it was, it reminded me of what Daniel prayed about in, the, in his prayer closet. Actually, it wasn't even a prayer closet. It was a prayer window. And, and while the, t the band's coming up, if you, maybe a principle I like to do is that if everybody's praying, then I would find me a, a quiet spot to pray. But if no one's praying, then I'd find a public place to pray. And Daniel found a public place to pray, his normal spot. He opened the windows, faced Jerusalem, and prayed. So this morning, maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're going through a trial. And we know there are people who are going through trials right now. And we're going to ask God to, to give you the strength to learn and to go through it. No matter what happens, that our journey with Jesus would stay intact and that we would have complete faith in who he is. That there, at the end, whether you, know, you, you survive this trial as you go through it, that no matter what, that we would not lose focus on who God is. And he is good. Let's stand and let's pray and then we're gonna sing this song as we wrap up our time together.
Every eye closed, head bowed. Heavenly Father, I just pray for our church here at Mosaic and Lord, for those who are at home. Lord, we, that we would just have stronger trust in you. Yes, we recognize we're, where we are. We recognize the times we live in. But Lord, we're not gonna freak out. We're gonna be people of peace. We're gonna sleep at peace knowing that you're in control. We're not gonna be anxious and biting our nails. Lord, we say thank you. We trust you. And Lord, we know like Daniel, when he prayed, he prayed thanks. And Lord, when we pray, Lord, I want us, I pray that we are people of thanksgiving. Because when we do that, Lord, it'll just, it'll just flood our minds of all the good things you've done. Lord, help us to be like Jesus first and like Daniel, people of prayer. We love you, Father. Let's sing this song together. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.